0: The very best thing we can do is offload our responsibility to Gen Z as fast as humanly possible because if we actually believe the truth then that should be fine. Listening earns us the right to speak into other people's lives. Whenever we become closed off to any idea, I think we have overstepped our bounds. The box is a lot bigger than you originally thought. Almost impossible if you consider it a part of who you are, holding that intellectual humility.
1: And as we mature, we get more and more stuck in our ways.
0: future belongs to those who control the culture and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation so we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community this is the Oz Table talk podcast Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name is Luke and I'm at the table with Dave and Ben. Evening guys. Good Good evening. How you been? (laughs)
1: We both looked at each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been pretty good, thanks.
2: Yeah, Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, pretty terrific. Pretty Pretty terrific. terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Living the dream, boys. Living the dream. See,
0: Willsie's not here, so someone has to be, right? Uh, Uh,
2: In
1: fact, he really was living the dream on Sunday. We were... Shopping for your wedding together, yeah. five boys, mm-hmm. six boys, in fact, mm-hmm. just five boys in the car. That's why I remember five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a, a nice trip away,
0: enjoyed ourselves. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's good, everyone got a suit but me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always one fussy guy, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's all right, I'll sort that <laughs> out.
1: No, no, let's be honest, it wasn't because you were fussy. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, And I'm also um, excited because we started building the studio, Mm -hmm. Luke, and I started the work on that this week, so that's been awesome.
0: Yeah, it's actually come together even faster than I expected that it would. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've put, what, like this week, we've put like a day and a half into it, and yeah, like most of the framing's done, just got to finish the roof and... Start shading. Start shading it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, my my shed is what is being converted. So that's why one of the that was one of the reasons that I was so keen to actually, but you know, get this place where we are now mm. because I I've been staring at that shed ever since we came here the first time, going, it's gonna be a studio. It's yeah. gonna be a studio. It's gonna be a studio. <laughs> so but I tell you what, I
1: I will not recording that shed until there's an air conditioner in there cuz it's so hot. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: well the weather's kind of ridiculous, but don't.
2: give it a couple of months and you won't need one. This oh. is tr-
0: Yeah, maybe maybe more than a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was talking to someone, a friend the other day, and uh, he said, "Are you going to insulate it?" I'm like, "Yeah, are you kidding? Of course. I- there's going to be as much insulation as I have room for."
1: Yeah. <laughs> so guys, we got a few things to cover off before we start our episode tonight. Yeah, we do mm-hmm. We've got some housekeeping housekeeping <laughs> got some praise to give i think as well you yeah so really thankful this week so much mm-hmm. has been happening
0: oh 100 i mean we've been I mean, as you guys know we've got a patreon account so people that want to financially support our work can do so and that's kind of been just like ticking along with just a couple of people in there and we are super super grateful for those people that have been with us like right from the get-go but in the last month like three new people ha- have jumped in and like ranging from like $1 a month, uh, you know, up. And we're just so grateful for any you know, any support that we've been given. And so we just thought it would be a good time for us to pause and just give a shout out not only to the people who have just jumped in, of course, them too, but all of our supporters, all of our, mm-hmm. our patrons. So just for, a, just for a few, like some of our oldest patrons, there's, there's the Bailey family, Jonathan Wold, Brittany Bartlow. You probably you may remember Brittany from our Does God Hate Tattoos episode. James Paulette, Hernan... We've got, And the recent ones that we've had in the, just over the last month, Leah, Melanie, and Glory Will. You know, guys, we just want to thank you so much because it really is... It might sound like a uh, an old line, but what we do really is enabled by you guys. And so we really appreciate mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, that's to say thank you
1: to some of our supporters who are giving, you know, extremely generously. Mm-hmm. We will be dividing out some merchandise and sending that through to you as we can. Yes, mm-hmm. that'll be
0: coming your way and and also worth mentioning that these guys are the guys that are financially supporting us but we've got people that are praying for what we do and the people that are in our Facebook group we really appreciate you guys too because you know you guys uh, input so much into how we think and what we produce right i and mean
1: so. you would have just finished listening to three full episodes of our interaction with some of those listeners in the the series
2: the short series that we just finished yeah and we do appreciate those inputs it just it gives the episode some richness and gives us some new ideas to really bounce off and we do really appreciate that yeah, yeah.
0: And and yeah, all the people that have given us reviews as well. If you haven't done that, now's the time. So <laughs> even if you want to pause the episode, go leave a review and come back. I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, save me. You sound like one of your kids when they're like trying to sound like they
1: really aren't desperate for something. <laughs> like, oh, okay, Daddy, of course, yeah, I can have
0: that. Look, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Not that I'm desperate, I just know that people are busy and if we don't tell them, they won't remember. Yep, Yep. definitely. Yeah. So, so
1: thank you so much, guys. We do appreciate your support and uh, as Luke was just saying, we also appreciate those who, you know, Drop everything and, and help us out with uh, coming on the show from time mm-hmm. to time. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we've had people that we, we've literally messaged them half an hour before they drop in. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. So yeah. we appreciate our, our family and mm-hmm. we look forward to continuing to serve, hopefully, uh, even better as we get the studio set up and,
0: yeah. you know, maybe, maybe get that scary video camera out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Don't sound so excited then. It won't be as bad as you think. Uh, Not all of us have a face for cameras like Dave does. That's true. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, we can't help but if you're so pretty, man.
0: (laughs) So our question tonight is why does Luke lie so much?
1: (laughs) All right, so our Humans of Adventism question tonight mm. is actually going to lead us into our episode. So yes. this is going to be an interesting one. So thank you again to Caleb, Caleb Isley, mm-hmm. who has put out these uh, discussion starter questions. If you want to have a look at them, you should go to Humans of Adventism, the website or wherever you can get in touch with Caleb and, and he will send them through to you. Mm. They're a great way to start conversations with people that you uh, you are know, wanting to get to know or small groups that you're working in. Mm. So modelling that again, let's uh, let's go with tonight's one, which is what's something you used to believe that you don't anymore, and the s- second question to that is what changed your mind. Mm-hmm. Do you find that
0: a hard question? They do. I do, and like there's a couple of things in my life that are obvious. Things for me, but I feel like I've spoken about them before, and uh, so I'm trying to I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper and, and find something that that's a little a little less uh, less obvious in my life. Mm. What about you, Dave? Do you have any anything top of mind?
1: <laughs> I was thinking about what you were just saying then, and I was thinking, yeah, I could go with something that's a bit different that I probably wouldn't have expected to have said, and that is when I changed from um, Android to Apple. <laughs> 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 as as a phone operating system. Yeah. You know, I I I didn't think that, you know, iPhones were, you know, all that crash hot originally. But then, you know, I I used some friends' phones for a time and found that the Apple operating system is at least to me very intuitive. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't think about going back now unless I had a very good reason to do so. Mhm. Um, mm. So yeah, what what changed my mind was actually in that case experience, you know, mm-hmm. taste and see, mm. <laughs> taste and see, the see that the iPhone up. is good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Well, for me, one that that was uh, springing to mind is how I dress for church, yeah. and that's something that has a bit more meaningful than Android to Apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have picked something frivolous if I could have thought of it. <laughs> Don't Um, admit that on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I uh, originally, like when I was younger. I guess when you're younger, no one really cares that much. But I remember when I was sort of coming of age and having my own faith, and I was getting baptized, and you know, I was in that uh, late teens, early twenties bracket. I literally thought, well, you know, the people that are around me, the people that have responsibility in the church scenario. You know, they look like stuffy guys in suits and ties. Like, you know, that that's what they look like, and that must be what it takes to get into that spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna follow suit. Stuffy guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. And I mean, I'm gonna be really fair. Like, some of those guys, I have so much respect for. But, but that's the picture, right? That's the right. The, the classic picture of, especially in regional churches, what church leadership looks like. Right. And mm-hmm. so I started wearing ties. I started wearing, you know suits and that was... Which was
1: outside of the ordinary for a 20-year-old.
0: Yeah, absolutely. None of my friends were doing that. Got it. But to me, that was like, well, not... I didn't think it was more holy. I just thought that, well, if I'm going to be taken seriously, I need to buy into this culture. Yeah. And so I did. the thing is now, as a 30-something rather than a 20-year-old,
1: stuffy old guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Now I'm a stuffy old guy. But um, to answer the part of the question of what changed my mind... I started to think about it less, of, I guess now I, now I am this age, I'm not trying to prove myself to anybody. And so, but now I'm thinking of it more along the lines of evangelistically, how, how should I dress if I was going to represent God the best to the people who don't know him yet? Mm. Not necessarily to the people who do already know him and have done for 65 years. How do I present the face of God most attractively to people that don't know him yet? And that's actually not a suit and a tie, in my in my opinion. I think that's going to change dramatically depending on your where you live. Uh, as of course, that's always going to be the case with that sort of thing. But um, yeah, that's really what changed my mind. And to be honest, I'll take that one step further. The person who challenged me on that and made me think differently was Catalina from the Connected Adventist podcast. So shout out to Catalina. Her, her pod, podcast is awesome. But yeah, your episode that you did, I think it was on modesty, maybe? Uh, anyway, but you're talking about... At dress and you know how people are perceived and all the rest of it, and yeah, that was what really started me thinking that, and so I, I have started adjusting my uh, my wardrobe to reflect that so what about you Ben
1: so I've, I've
0: rambled long enough you must have something
1: I'm going <laughs> to put that down as an idea for future discussion because I'd like to hear more about that. yeah, I feel like that might be something that you know some of our listeners, not just for, for church but just in general you know mm-hmm. talking about you know dress and
2: yeah and how, I'd love to talk about that because I love my suits, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, Sorry to interrupt. Go, Ben. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about a belief that I held in my teens, and although I've always believed in baptism, I've all—I didn't really consider it to be the most important thing either. So I got baptized um, about the time I turned twenty-one. Mm. But before then, I didn't really consider it to be that important. I mean, there's a lot of people who will live their um, Christian experience and never get baptized, and Christ got baptized for them, so why not? Hmm. But what really started to bring me around was a community of believers on that one. And baptism isn't just a public expression of our acceptance of Christ, but also becoming part of the body of Christ and it wasn't until i had a body of christ to join to that it became a lot more important to me and i became a lot more accepting of that part of the doctrine when i got to know my church family Hmm. so
1: in other words what you're saying is it's it's almost like a celebration with your new family exactly
2: right that's a cool way of looking at it Hmm. it? because i've come across people who have sort of along those same lines and it's usually when they connect with a church family that's usually what changes their minds on it
1: yeah yeah cool that's interesting hmm. I'm, I'm sure i could think of many more meaningful things that you know have been opinions that have changed for me or even deep philosophical hmm concepts that have changed that have mm. altered the course of my life. But maybe those sort of things might come up as we mm. continue to discuss this. Mm-hmm. So what, what was it that we were planning on talking about tonight, Luke? <laughs> you want to introduce that?
0: So the, the overarching theme is, is why is it so hard to change your mind? Right. So, and and
1: just for clarity, we're, we're not just talking about the kind of changing of one's mind that might occur with, you know, the, the way in which you choose to brush your teeth or, mm. you know, something <laughs> yeah. uh, menial like that. Mm. We're talking here about like big, big picture stuff, right? Big questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Ch- changing long held positions that, that form pillars of who you are. And right. what does that look like when you change that? And why is it so hard? Why, why do we, re- well, I think that's probably a good place to start. Well, let, me, let me pause for a second there. Both of those examples that you gave, did you find change difficult or easy? Um, expensive. <laughs> 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 That's right, your your iPhone. Um,
1: but no, not, not difficult. No? Because as I said, that for me, that was a more intuitive operating system. So, so you had experienced actually, something
0: different. Yeah,
1: and it actually improved my experience with my, my phones mm-hmm. uh, so that it was, I suppose, more um, efficient or effective, mm-hmm. or however you want to put mm-hmm. that.
0: And how long did it take you to ch- change your mind?
1: Oh, I don't know. It, it's I think a lot of the time changing your mind happens incrementally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it almost happens imperceptibly as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it was probably something that had been in the back of my mind for quite a while before I actually decided mm-hmm. to do anything about it. Yeah, so I couldn't really mm-hmm. tell you yeah. to be. What honest. about I, you? I
2: I definitely resonate with that because although if you would when I was first coming to church you would have asked me, I probably would have said, nah. Mm-hmm. But um, after after a little while of regular attendance, it's mm-hmm. it kind of just changed all on its own. It wasn't really something mm-hmm. I had to put any effort into. It just, mm-hmm. you kind of just woke up one day and realized, oh, I don't believe that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that takes uh, intellectual... What's one I'm looking for intellectual honesty, maybe, to recognise the fact that you actually have changed your mind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and be and be okay about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Yours is more of an intentional one, though, Luke. So that that would mm-hmm. have required some effort, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. maybe felt hard at times.
0: Definitely, I remember the first time I actually chose to wear something that I wouldn't, or, or you know, change my my dress to ha- something that I wouldn't typically do. I remember I felt even though I'm sure no one was, I felt like everyone was staring at me. Like everybody noticed and everyone was offended. Like that that was the, what's going on inside? Even though logically I knew that wasn't the case, but that was the emotion that was attached to it. Yeah, I yeah. definitely
2: resonate with that because in summer, yeah, I will not wear a suit. Yeah, It's just too hot. I prefer to wear shorts and one of my funny Christian shirts. Yeah. So for instance, I'm currently wearing my race to win shirt, which is based on the verse in Corinthians.
0: Yeah, right. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that, like that, that intentiona,
1: intentional, intentional, um, changing your mind to do something, mm-hmm. like you were saying, maybe to help the people around you, mm-hmm. sometimes does require work, sometimes does require mm-hmm. effort, um, mm-hmm. and so it can actually sometimes be uh, something that's difficult, mm-hmm. uh, changing your perspective on mm-hmm. something, shifting. That sort of thing. Have Are you guys, um, I'm sure you are, so let me just say it. I'm sure you're familiar with the experience, that, well, the story of the, was it nine blind guys mm. that, that all wanted to describe what an elephant looked like? Oh, yeah. And they all touched a different part of the elephant <laughs> and, and determined <laughs> yeah. what the elephant looked like based mm. on their experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that early on in your Christian experience, the way you viewed doctrine was very much like that. Like Ooh, what yeah. you saw yeah. of 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 God or of that particular teaching mm-hmm. was very much like no, no. This an elephant definitely looks like, you know, a snake. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's long, it's thin, it bends, mm-hmm. because you're only looking at the trunk. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, uh, or feeling the trunk in the case of the blind men. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think to begin with, that's very much how it, s- it starts out. But I feel. Yeah as my Christian experience has matured, that my perspective has opened to the point now where what I might be feeling might be, mm. you know, the leg of the elephant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I might be thinking to myself, well, what I feel of Christianity is it feels like this. Mm. But I'm open to the fact that there's probably another eight blokes feeling different things on this, on this, you know... On this beast. Establishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Um, you know, religious way of life. Mm. And so... I think it's opened my perspective to the fact that there could be other ways of viewing things mm-hmm. and other ways of experiencing
0: life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so I, have you noticed the same sort of change? Oh yeah, definitely. I actually just you just triggered a thought for me when you were talking. Then uh, I'm going through a a book at the moment um, by um, Daniel Kahneman. He's he specialises in the psychology of decision making, and mm-hmm. he uh, talk, it has all these different. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word like cognitive biases and problems in the way that we as humans make decisions. And one that he keeps coming back to, like in virtually every chapter, doesn't matter how varied the topic is, he keeps coming back to this one thing as humans we always make the same mistake and the mistake is what the what you see is all there is fallacy. Mm. And so in other words, whatever you've been exposed to, that's all of the data that you can make a decision based on. Right. And it's almost impossible for us as humans to recognize the breadth of data that we don't have access to yet. Right. And so, you know and he, he's proven in so many different experiments that if you reveal a certain data set to somebody, they'll make a completely different decision to if they had a different data set, even though both maybe accurate it's just they Mm -hmm. didn't have enough data and so uh yeah one of the things before we make a decision that we need to do is to ask ourselves not is this the right answer or is that the right answer but do i have enough of the right data to make that to make that decision
2: Mm. so it's like going down to the beach with a bucket taking a bucket of water and looking in and going there's no fish in the ocean yes Mm.
0: yes how big is your sample size so that's a great great example and so i think that's I think that's a big part of maturity i think what's possibly the point that you're getting at dave and that and that is for our decision making it's healthy for us to recognize that we don't know what we don't know right yeah
1: and i think philosophically we can tend toward as we mature our horizons broaden philosophically Mm -hmm. yes but I think experientially, it actually happens the opposite way. Mm. And as we mature, we get more and more stuck in our ways. Yeah. Mm. So there's an interesting sort of mm. shift in our paradigm there that I don't you understand.
0: Know, you know, I I threw this question out into our ATT think tank into the me, into the Facebook Messenger group. Yep. And what I found really interesting, and obviously that's a very small data set based on the, what we were just talking about before. Mm-hmm. I understand that's a small group of people, but the older people in the group are probably some of them some of the most open minded. Right. But they are very very intentional about cultivating that you know mm. t- tim i'm thinking about you so like mm. these guys that are intentionally trying to learn from people who are younger than them see the world differently than how them and their kind of people see the world right yeah and that is where the hard thing is i think what you what you guys said before i think was so telling that making the changing your mind wasn't that difficult yeah but it, as you were saying just now, experientially, it becomes hard because we get set in our ways. Right. Mm. The challenge or the hard part of changing your mind is being open to the other options. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what we're saying. I think that's probably where we're getting e- Even considering that there are other options, sometimes
1: we shut ourselves off to other options. Yes. Because we think we've, we're on to the best thing. Yeah. And we may have been when we started on that thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, things change, yep. right? Mm-hmm and so they could have been a better product on the market you know just before we started recording we were talking about evernote and you were saying that you're committed to evernote because you've got 900 and something notes in the thing yeah but there are better systems out there that you feel like you you might like to change to if you could somehow export the data right yeah and so that's a really good example of how sometimes evernote when you first got it hmm. was was the bee's knees for for yeah. what it does right yeah. and yet now maybe it's not hmm. and and so sometimes we have to be willing to to change don't you wish we could bottle what tim has and like, yes. keep it for ourselves as we start to get a little bit older. Yeah. And I think. Perfect example of how we should think as we as we grow. Mm.
0: Yes. And I think we're, we're actually setting ourselves up generationally. I think we're setting up for some pain because Generation Z is coming up. And uh, Generation Z is like so different from Millennials in a lot of ways that uh, I think we, because Millennials have. Had uh, had leadership held back from them by baby boomers for so long that it's sort of like now that we're finally getting old, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're accepting those kind of responsibilities. I hope we don't do the same thing all over again. Yeah. You know, it's so like, no, we, we're going to hold on to all of these ends and, you yeah, know, this is our responsibility. Let's not pass it off to the next generation. The, yeah. uh, Caleb Isley on Twitter, he was saying, just, uh, I think it was last week, he was saying that uh, the very best thing we could do for intergenerational. Contact, communication, health, relationships, all of the above. Very best thing we can do is offload our responsibility to Gen Z as fast as humanly possible so we don't perpetuate this pattern that we
2: have. Well let's face it, it makes sense in the church content because there's just so much work to be done. The moment you do that you've you've just empowering people. You're you're empowering people to do the work you've just previously done and then you can go off and go, Well, here's the other bit of the ninety percent that still isn't being done. Yeah. The yeah. other really obvious reason why that's such
1: a sensible um, idea is that good mentoring takes time. Yeah, you Yeah. Know? definitely. A- and and I think we all agree that mentoring is the very best way to pass on anything. Mm-hmm. And and so if we want the next generation to do better than ourselves, mm-hmm. we need to mentor them into a position where then they can take the, the flag and run with it. Yeah. But the problem is too often, generationally, um, like you were talking, Luke, mm-hmm. we don't realise that until we're like... We, we've just got to drop out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, be it we're, we're just too old to keep going, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we have a phase in our life where, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you could testify to this, Luke. You have two kids mm. and you just don't have time anymore. Yeah. And, and so you get to a spot where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. But because you haven't mentored anyone into it, then yeah. you just drop it in their lap and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is kind of what happened to us,
0: right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So. What do you think? If I mean, all, all taking all of that into, into consideration, how do we avoid? And I think I think we've spoken about it a little bit here, but I just want to put a fine point on it. See if there's anything else to shake out of the discussion. <laughs> but how do you think we avoid settling into that arrogant position?
1: Uh, it's is very similar to illustrations you we guys were sharing before, but yeah. maybe it has a, a slightly different take that might answer your question.
0: Have you ever heard the story of the
1: Christian professor or something like that, Mm -hmm. who went to another university to to do a debate with an atheist about, you know, whether, you know, evolution or creation was true. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to show up. And so they said to him, you know, would you like to present your argument anyway to the students who had come for the debate? And he said, no, that's fine. I'll just ask two questions. And so he asked two questions to these students. The first question he asked was, how much of all knowledge do you think you possess? Hmm. And they said, oh, well, you know, maybe 10%. Hmm. And he's like, well, it's generous, but we'll give you 10% just, just for the sake of the illustration. And he said, all right, so if you know 10% of the information and in, within the 10% that you have, you've decided there is no God, is it possible, his second question, is it possible that in the 90% of all information that you don't possess, mm. all the things you don't understand, and you don't, don't have perspective, um, the perspective of those things, mm. is it possible that in that 90% God exists? Mm. And they all had to say, you know, yeah, of course it's possible, mm. you know, because we don't know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to deny that would be yeah. stupid. Yeah. Mm. And so he says, well, then you're not atheist, you're agnostic. Mm. And I think that that's uh, the same sort of thing as your bucket in the ocean, Ben. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes because our sample size is so small, we come to conclusions that aren't necessarily right. Mm-hmm. But then the mistake that we make is that we hang on to them so tightly that we just <laughs> we get flung around by these, these ideas to all sorts into all sorts of bad places. Mm-hmm. Well, how do, we, how do we step away from that? We have to first realize we don't know everything right we don 't have like the the full three hundred and sixty degree perspective, if you like mm. of of life of all that there is to, to know and to experience, mm. and so we have to be able to step back and go, it is possible that somebody else 's perspective is mm. true mm. right or yeah. that that this this particular um, opinion or this particular philosophy or whatever it happens to be that you 're thinking about changing your mind about. Mm. It is possible that this is true, Hmm. you know, because I don't know, Yeah, you know, I don't know what I don't know.
0: There was a guy I was listening to who was talking about one of the most effective things to help him to broaden his perspective was to always be learning something. Now, let's not confuse this. this. He's not talking about like continual improvement in your career or hobbies or whatever. He means continually trying something new at which you are terrible. And the reason reason being, it keeps him grounded in the knowledge that I might be good in this narrow subsection of yeah. life, but there's a whole world out there of stuff that I'm not even remotely competent at. Mm. But the benefit that he gets from it is that he will often learn a technique in whatever that new thing that he's learning is that he can then cross-pollinate into another area of, dis- or of expertise or discipline that he actually is capable of, mm-hmm. you know, extrapolate something that he learned while learning how to snowboard, but, you know, inject that into the business world or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, just keeping, keeping yourself humble. Right, it's probably the the point there, and I think that's a description of what you were expressing. Yeah, Dave. yeah, how I was I holding was, that intellectual humility. Right, I
1: was mm-hmm. I was talking about how that we we need to recognise that yeah we we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. and so staying grounded is a good way to put that. Staying humble is a good way to put that. Uh, staying op- open is mm-hmm. another yeah. way to put that. You know, mm-hmm. I think we, if whenever we become closed off to any idea, I think we have overstepped our bounds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we were talking about this a, a few months back, but the paradox of expertise. So, mm. you, your first beginner level of expertise is they think they know like 60% of a thing. Mm. When really, they're only like the 5%. Then your next stage is your intermediate. They've realized just how big the box is and right. they realize they know basically nothing. Right. Mm. And there's this whole new world that they've got to learn and then there's the expert who knows the most about the box but actually there's a little bit of doubt there but what is in particular interesting is you've got to have a certain amount of knowledge in a particular area of expertise to at least understand that the box is a lot bigger than you originally thought mm-hmm. and often we are we run into this problem when we walk into a situation and we're we're so ignorant we don't even know how big the box is right. mm. and that that creates arrogance. You know what? Just as you were saying, I
0: just had a... Mm-hmm. Moment in my head. So, think about um, biblical characters, right? Think about like one that springs to mind is is Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Or Saul, originally. So, he's traveling on the road to Damascus and... He m- knows. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. He's, he's, he's the sh- Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. sure. He's well-educated. He knows. <laughs> yeah. And so... You could think he, this is the the beginner state that, mm-hmm. that you're, you're talking about. He thinks he knows the box, He's, and the box in this case being God and, mm-hmm. and what God's doing on the earth. And then all of a sudden, the risen Christ appears to him, sits him on his butt, and has a real good conversation with him. And all of a sudden, he has been exposed to a completely new data set. Mm-hmm. He then gets catapulted into intermediate, where he knows that he knows nothing and he is willing to accept something different. Mm. And so then what you see in his experience where he goes into the city and then you know he, he meets with the disciples and then he studies the word and, and figures out, wow, all of this was talking about Jesus. Everything, mm. whole Old Testament, all pointing towards Christ. That's his journey through that intermediate period to being... Paul, the theologian, the apologist, the evangelist—that mm-hmm. we know him as today—but he followed that exact pattern yeah. that you were talking about just then. Yeah.
1: And Paul maybe comes across as a little arrogant at times in mm. his writings. Yeah. But do you think, do you think that really is the Paul mm. that, that wrote those those things? Like, I think displayed a great deal of confidence in mm. his letters to his churches. Yeah but yet he still at the end of the day refers to himself as the chief of sinners mm-hmm. and that makes me think that he even after you know becoming the great like you said apologist evangelist all christian
0: of the, all of the aboveest
1: yeah. yeah he still at that point i think r- recognized that he knew very little mm. yeah you know or that he was very little hmm. he had a lo- he knew that he had a lot of more growth to go yeah yeah. I think, you know, there's many ways that we could look at this, of course, but I think one that's going to be most relevant to us and our listeners is, is our Christianity and the, our beliefs associated with our Christianity. Yeah. So how can we hold on to our beliefs that are, that are so important to us, that are foundational to us, that really make up our worldview, hold on to them in such a way that we're not being arrogant like Saul, mm. but we are being confident Mm -hmm. in those beliefs Mm -hmm. what's the what's the difference between confidence and arrogance in that sense and how does that work itself out do you think
0: i would say it it's not as much about whether we are changing our mind or not as it is as to whether we are open to others and open to what they have to say because i'm sure that Paul would have listened attentively to the people that he was reaching out to Mm -hmm. so he could understand them better. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you know, his time in Athens is a great example of that because he spent time immersing himself in the culture. And once he understood what was going on in the culture, that informed him as to how he was going to share with the people. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to be willing to listen first because we must earn the right to speak, right? And listening earns us the right to speak into other people's lives. Yeah, the, the challenge, of course, is to be ready to admit that you don't have all the information, ready to, be, uh, ready, ready to admit that. And I, I think it's hard because, especially when you're a baby Christian, the desire is to concrete everything. Mm. Concrete everything that you believe into place mm-hmm. so it's easy because I, I don't have to then pass through any further information. I just know what's true and what's not true and that's the right. only any decision I have to it's make. It's like
1: we've created a, a list of, of things that we want to check off Yep, Creed. And, we're, and we're checking them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and our particular denomination, I think, leads us to, to doing that as well. Hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that system necessarily, but it certainly leads to that perspective of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if I can just check these off one at a time, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I don't have to
2: change them ever again. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, that's there's all well and good if they're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> we kind of treat that with baptism, don't we? We, we go, you believe this? Check. You believe this? Check. You believe this? Check. Okay, you're right for baptism? Right release you and yes. a, and then not do too much after that with them.
1: Mm. <laughs> check. All right. right. No, no, I want to see you again. Yeah. Okay. Next person. Okay. Yeah. Check. <laughs> check. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I've got this concept in my mind as to how I think it should work. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a metaphorical concept. Mm-hmm. But I think we should hold on to our beliefs loosely. Mm-hmm. So we should be holding on to them. You know, we should have mm-hmm. confidence in them. But we should hold on to them loosely enough that you know if there is something wrong with them and something comes al- along that tugs at them in a in a sense where you know we're exposed to more information or something like that that we're still holding on we still want to believe it but but we've got a loose enough hold that if if it's not actually true like when we when we come to think about it when we process it when we you know maybe go back and re rethink our philosophies or our um, understandings, doctrinally or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that we can still, uh, we are able to let go. Because yes. I think sometimes when we're holding on so tightly, you know, maybe like when you're, when you're playing tug of war or when mm-hmm. you're you know, trying to do some, some real damage with a rope, you know how you twist it around your hand? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, yeah, now I can't let go of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes how we hold on to our beliefs. Like, and we've got them wrapped around us so firmly even if we wanted to let go, we can't because mm. it's stuck there, right and that's as I said before, that's all well and good if it's right, mm. but given the fact that we are less we understand less than ten percent of all there is to know, it seems a little arrogant to to be absolutely convinced that everything that we believe is one hundred percent true, yeah, right and I, I think we can all testify to the fact mm. that the further we go through our lives the more we realize we don't know, as you were saying before, Ben, with that trajectory. Um, But also, the the more things actually change Mm -hmm. that we once believed, Mm You know, whether it be our theological understanding of of who God is and how He relates to us, I know that has shifted a lot for the three of us, Mm -hmm. you know, significantly over the last, say, 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's changed an awful lot, right? Mm. And I don't expect that that change is finished. Mm. I expect that that will continue to change because it's as God softens me up and I become more and more open to understanding Him more fully, more things are revealed. And so my perspective of Him is enhanced. Mm. It's not like it's a degradation, it's an
0: enhancement. Which we should which is another reason why i mean there is this this popular idea of you know that the younger generations understand it better or whatever but i think that's why we need to be giving more ear to the the people who have been there before us and have been on the christian journey for decades before us that i think assuming they have been approaching it with that intellectual humility that we're talking about They've probably got a lot of gems that we don't have yet, right? And we should be acknowledging that. Something else that you said there, Dave, that really was like, oh, that, that's that's such a powerful point. You were talking about how the idea, like, we need to be willing to let go of it easily. Yeah. I was thinking that really is. Uh, we have a tendency to take an idea and we attach it to our self worth. Yep. Mm. So we consider the idea of us being, and I, I don't know whatever whatever it may be, you know. But if you if you attach the idea that I mean, I was talking about dress before, but you know, some people take modesty to a, a really high degree and they, they take it super seriously. If you consider that a part of your personality and then you're exposed to different information and you get, you say, okay, maybe what I'm wearing isn't necessarily the the best thing that God wants me to do, taking that and changing that is actually almost impossible if you consider it a part of who you are. If you consider that, something that is separate to you, it's an idea that you're holding but not necessarily a part of you, then you can let it go because it's just like, you know, I'm sitting here at the table and I can pick up this phone in my hand and, you know, that's a it's not a part of me. It might be my phone, but it's it's not a part of me. I can still choose to put it down. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to think of our ideas like that. They are utilitarian. We we hold them as tools. But when we when they when they outlive their usefulness, or we are exposed to information that uh, deprecates them, then we should be willing to put them down. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And can I maybe point out a little chink in your illustration, Feel only for out. the sake of? I'm sure there's plenty. No, and only for the sake of. I think that it, I guess lends maybe more practical light to what we're talking about. Yeah, is that if if you had this this idea that you've held felt was part of your self-worth and somebody challenged that, hmm. you're not actually going to to accept that challenge and start thinking like you were saying, you know, oh, do I need to change? You're not going to yeah. even think that. You you're going to take it thought, as a personal attack. Yeah, and, and yeah. you're going to respond by judging that person as, yeah. well, they're just not as holy as me or as not as whatever as me. Yeah. Right? And so so I think a lot of the time when, we, uh, when our ideas are challenged, we respond by condemnation or judgment. Um, you know because we see it as an attack and so we attack back mm. in some fashion yeah but if like you said if, if we are relating to them differently and mm. we have just held them and we, we can put them down you know sometimes i think it's appropriate to put our ideas down on a shelf you mm-hmm. know in our mind like it's like all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna acknowledge the fact that i still do believe this mm-hmm. but i want to just clear it out from my mind for a minute and yeah. think about this thing get some distance yeah mm-hmm. i, yeah. I want to think about this thing without that clouding my judgment mm-hmm. without preconceived opinions, changing the way that I perceive reality. And it's really hard to do that, of course, Mm. and in fact, probably impossible to do that properly, because we're we're always going to have some level of bias. Mm. But if we can remove bias as much as possible, Mm. um, that opens uh, the way for, you know, further constructs. I I think of King David, you know, his experience where he had sinned, he didn't seem to want to admit it, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. He, he he was really like just Avoiding the fact that he had done this yeah. and just moving on with his life. And God sent to him Nathan, the prophet, to reveal to him through this illustration, if you like, mm. e- exactly where he was at. And when he could see himself from another angle, mm. different than the angle that he was looking at, it's almost like that the, the true perspective of, of, sorry, the perspective that David had at the time had been put on the shelf. And now he's just literally looking through the lens of Nathan's story and he's like, wow, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. A- and then when Nathan pointed out to him, well, actually, that's you, because his idea was still on the shelf because he was thinking about the story. He was yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, and that, it, I guess, was a catalyst for him for, for change, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, things like that, you know, are going to, we're going to have an experience, you know, I think, I think of, you know, when, somebody in who you're close to in your life, some, that's something really important. Uh, they, they come out with some really important news, whether it's, you know, oh, I I've just wanted to let everyone know that I am homosexual or I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm no longer you know going to be a Christian or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, when somebody that you love and are close to comes out with something like that, your, your perspective of that thing changes in that moment. Well, it has to. Right, yeah. it has to. Because yeah. now, rather than it just being a concept... It's it's humanized. There's mm-hmm. a person involved in this, right? Yeah. And so because there's a person involved in it, you have more empathy, more compassion. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes that's a catalyst for a change of mind. Mm. Mm. So we're saying so far, we're saying that's a fantastic thing. Mm. I want to ask though, is it possible that sometimes that's like changing your mind on, a som- on something just because of an experience mm. is not actually the best thing. Like, for example, yep. let's go back to your choice to change your mm. um, church attire, Luke, mm. when you were 20 years old. Mm. You know, you're in the church, you want to earn the respect of the people by wearing the right clothes, right? Mm. Um, is it possible that that particular decision that you made, although obviously done from, you know, pure motives at the time, yeah. wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, mm. but you were just responding to a situation that was going on in your life?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely because I mean if you if you wanted to look at that because uh, it depends how you cut it right? Like right. if you wanted to look at it uh, from a positive light you would look at it and say well uh, I just wanted to be the the best example that I could be and, and that was the way I took it at the time. You know, if you wanted to look at it in the most negative light possible, you could say, well, it's a political move where I'm trying to manipulate people into seeing things my way or whatever, you know, whatever way you look at it. So, yeah, it, there is a world in which that could have been the wrong thing to do.
1: Right. Yeah. And so- yeah. sometimes I think I did this when I was younger. Sometimes you might make those change of decisions actually because of this whole self-worth thing you were talking about yeah, and y- you might actually change your mind to do something differently mm. because you think that will gain you more worth yeah. Mm. Uh, when really that's not what it's gaining at all so by doing that, by changing your mind on that thing you're yeah. actually submitting to um, like a negative culture yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess my point in bringing that up is just that, you know, experiences change us, mm-hmm. but they don't always uh, have to change the way that we think. Yeah. They could just cha- they could just be a catalyst for changing the way that we relate to people. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I like that. I like that. But and I guess the the question that sort of comes on the back of that for me anyway is, if that's the case and that's what's happening, we have the possibility of. Uh, change because we've spoken about change largely in the positive sense, right? That, mm-hmm. That's the way we've we've described it. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying there is that it doesn't have to be. It can it can form a negative. Mm-hmm. So how do we know when there is something that's worth locking down on and sticking with? How how do how do we know when it's safe to do so? Because we're saying now that it's good to it, it's good to change, but there may be times that it's bad. So how do you tell the difference?
1: Right. So, so let's say fun. for example, I have a friend who lets me know, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm not going to be able to be uh, a Seventh-day Adventist anymore because mm. I've decided, you know, that I'm gay and that I can't, I'm not accepted in the church. And therefore, you know, I, I can't believe in God because he condemns mm. my behavior or whatever. And so I might think about that situation, think about, you know, that friend who I care about, you know, and I want to support them. Mm-hmm. And I might think, all right, so I've got kind of two options here. I either You know change my views Mm -hmm. on how the bible portrays homosexuality Mm -hmm. to accommodate my friend or i change the way that i relate to my friend based upon my compassion and love for them and while still holding on to that particular belief system Mm -hmm. And I think that actually getting to that place is you need to reevaluate. You know, mm-hmm. if something happens that causes you to question your beliefs, mm-hmm. don't run away from that. Mm. Do it. You know, question yeah. it. Lean into yeah. it. Be willing to reevaluate constantly. Mm. Be willing to reevaluate yeah. everything in your life. In yeah. my opinion, but as you do that, do uh, uh, this is the way I view it anyway. Not necessarily saying this is the best way to do it, but the way that I reevaluate things is to try to do what I was saying before to put my bias aside for a moment. Try to view the situation as as free from bias, as free from preconceived ideas as I possibly can, hmm. so that I can can move through this concept and see is this concept something that stands up in my mind as mm-hmm. true, you know, to the Bible, to whatever things you want to hold something true to, and, and if it stays, if it remains true, but you still want to be able to love your friend, hmm. then you just need to find how can these two things. Be compatible with one another, right? Mm. This belief system and this friend who is, let's say, opposed to the belief system, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't love that person, right? Yeah, you know, Jesus is concrete proof of that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. loved the people who were messing the belief system up completely. Mm. So I think you know it's just about going through that process of reevaluation, mm. mm-hmm. um, and then as as you reevaluate and you uh, say, let's say the thing that you're holding on to loosely. Um, is confirmed that you still want to hold on to that thing, mm. but you also want to hold on to your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, then find a way to hold on to both. Mm. You know, find a way to love your friend, whilst still whilst not compromising your own beliefs in yeah. mm-hmm. you know God, in His love, mm-hmm. in in His word, sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, yes and no. Like I, I don't think there's an I don't think there is an easy answer, but yeah, I think that does cover the ground. Mm. Yeah.
1: What would you do? How would you ride that tension of, of... Of... of? I was trying to put into simple words what you asked, but it's really not that easy. No, it's not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would say that, that everything... I think the key is uh, in what you said, and that is we must be willing to evaluate everything at all times. I don't think we can fully settle into anything. And I know people who are conservative Christians may may balk at that because then the obvious thing is, well, what about the divinity of Christ? What about, you know, actually believing in God? You know, what, what if you slip into atheism? Can I say something to that? And if you want to.
1: If those things are worth um, their soul, they'll stand up to our evaluation yeah. yes. over and over again.
0: Yeah. Yes. So we
1: shouldn't be scared of evaluating those things.
0: Yep. And this, I think, is where a lot of parenting goes awry of, of kids because... They, in the, in the church, I mean, because they are so afraid their kids are going to question their faith, <laughs> they insulate them. So they never have to question it until they go out into the big bad world. And all of a sudden they find out that there's all these questions and I don't have answers. Whereas you, we should be quite the opposite, right? We should be teach them to question, teach them to question. That's right. Because <laughs> if we actually believe the truth, then that should be fine. Yeah. So I think the answer is not so much. How do we know which ones are okay to commit to, but commit to nothing? Because if anything is is accurate, if anything is truth, then it's still going to be true. It's not going to stop being true just because you examine it. Right. And
1: by commit to nothing, you mean commit to it in in this arrogant attitude that we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Not. not, I'm not going to ever commit to anything. No. No. No.
0: No. When I say that, what I'm yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that because that could have come across wrong. No. Mm -hmm. What I when I say that, what I'm meaning is that we should be willing to question and learn more about every belief that we hold dear because ultimately if they're true, it's only going to confirm the truth and if it, if they're not, then it's going to right.
2: fall away in the way it should. Definitely, I, I agree with that. My faith has gotten so much stronger by questioning and by hmm. saying, well, this is an interesting belief. How does it compare to um, what we have? Compare the two. And then it kind of... it." it it gives me more clarity in what we believe, mm-hmm. but I would actually argue that by not questioning, we, sh- we stall out as Christians. It's actually important yeah. for us to mature as Christians to question our faith continually, testing everything that we believe in, and by doing so, we can, re- we can reconfirm what is true and throw away what is false. Right. Right. Mm.
1: And, and that, as you just pointed out, is part of the proce- process of growth mm. because by as you grow, you learn some things that when you were immature mm. that you thought were true, yeah, yeah maybe not so much, right? Mm. And so you can, as you said, cast that off as dross, you know, that's not something that is mm. needs to be part of my life anymore. Mm. I'm now going to focus in on these new things that I've found that yeah. are true and you then grow and you grow and you shed more and more of your old skin as you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's a beautiful process, right? That's sanctification really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you yeah. know, like the the age-old debate is should pineapple be on pizza? And <laughs> yeah, there there could be somebody listening, maybe maybe one of us who always thought no, pineapple should never be on pizza. Mm. And then one day they tried it. And they thought, wow, pineapple really should be on pizza. Yeah. And yeah. I know we've just completely divided our audience. <laughs> 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 if we didn't already by mentioning Apple products. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the point is, sometimes, you know, you really do just have to, to try these mm. things out, test them, you know, evaluate mm. them. Mm. And, you know, you might find that there are some things that you've been dismissing as no good yeah. that are really good and mm. things that you've been saying are really good yeah. that actually aren't. You know, the real McCoy, you know, there might be things out there that are are much better and more genuine. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, having said that, I think we've actually covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you guys want to want to delve into before we wrap this one? Oh, yeah, lots, but we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a never-ending topic, isn't it? You yeah, know? yeah, it we're is. We're talking about how
1: it should be the, the work of our lifetime. Yeah. And so it's not like we're going to sit here and be like, okay, I think we've covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. think, you know, we've shared some things that I hope will be useful. Mm-hmm. I hope that our listeners can learn to, to, as I think we are learning to, but I, I use the word learning Mm. You know, advisedly, because I, I think it's something that we are, we're yeah. going to be constantly re- relearning, and that is to, to hang on to things a little bit looser. You know, yeah. not to be so dogmatic about our opinions and so arrogant about our
2: combative. Yeah, mm. right.
1: Let's just be a little bit more willing to listen, as you pointed out, Luke. Yeah. And yeah. a little bit less willing to to preach as though, mm. you know, we've got the truth and <laughs> the only truth, mm. and you know, d- how dare you question it? Yeah. Mm.
0: And just as a little experiment for anyone who is actually listening all the way through to the end of this episode, please comment on the post just with, with you know, I like pineapple or I don't like pineapple <laughs> on pizza <laughs> and just see if we can confuse everybody in social media land who sees that we're just got all these really <laughs> random pineapple comments. So right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, social experiment. Just thought I'd try that out. I yeah. love
1: how you you, you said, actually listening. Hmm. Like it's possible that some people have gone all this time and they've only been partially (laughs) listening. And the way that we're going to determine whether you've been actually listening or not is if you tell us whether or not you like pineapple on your pizza. Because
0: that's That's such a good good. indicator. (laughs) But it'll be a fun one, so why not? Yeah, (laughs) Excellent. So um, I'm going to go on record as saying I'm a pineapple person and uh, (laughs) this is uh, the end of another discussion. We want to thank you so much for for joining us for it and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We look forward to catching you guys next week and until then, God bless. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.